basically each like autonomous region of Spain has its own like specific beer that they're really, really proud of. So if you're seen like drinking something else, people will judge you. They will be like, how could you be doing this to your, <laughs> your people? And it's just really crazy and obsessive, but it's fun because you, you can like basically like define people like based on the beer they drink. You, you know where they're from if they're drinking like Estrella or whatever, you know? Welcome to another episode of Home Plates. I'm your host, Didi Madigan, and today we are talking all about Spanish food. Don't forget to subscribe to Home Plates. We are now on TuneIn, Stitcher, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. There are new episodes released every Wednesday right here on the Soundbite Network. Be sure to tune in and subscribe. Blanca joins me here in the studio, and we talk about the tapas origin story, the Spanish drinking culture, and how there's no good Spanish food around here. So that just means you're going to have to take a trip to Spain to get some real good Spanish food. Keep listening. This is another episode of Home Plates. Madigan, and today with me in the studio is Blanca. Did I uh, say that right? Yeah, okay. that is my name. <laughs> Perfect. I just want to make sure because I feel like sometimes people are like, oh, be too polite, but it's like, yeah, no, no, I'm going to get your name correct. I will, I will correct you're you. You're my guest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, uh, Blanca, would you like to introduce yourself a little bit? And... Yeah, sure. Um, so my name is Blanca Viña Patino. I was born in Spain, uh, lived there until I was about nine years old. And my family moved to California when I was nine years old. And I've lived in California since then. And currently, I'm in Seattle for university. However, we still go back to Spain like pretty frequently. I actually just came back from there. What part of Spain were you from? I am from the northwest part of Spain, which is known as Galicia, specifically from a city called Coruña that is very small but very cute. Definitely recommend if you want to visit. <laughs> Let's get to it. Talk about food. Yeah. So the first thing I think a lot of people think about when they think of Spanish food is tapas. Okay, that is definitely, like, a real stereotype. Okay. Like, it, it is. Like, okay. when you go out with a bunch of people, you eat tapas. The only difference is that maybe when you're in Barcelona, you'll have, like, very typical Catalan tapas, or you might even have more international foods just because it's a big city and it's very diverse. And then the less visited regions of Spain, you have more like traditional tapas. Now, while I was doing my research mm -hmm. for this episode, I came across multiple different stories as to why it's called, like how tapas became a thing in mm -hmm. Spain. Mm -hmm. Are you familiar with any of these stories? We're going to Oh, do a little quiz game with you. I don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> okay, I have seven different stories I found right, online. Right. Would you want? Do you want to take a guess as to how? Yeah, I think I, <clears throat> I could maybe come up with something. Okay. So my guess is that since Spain is a very like family-driven society, I guess you always surround yourself with people. Always like surround yourself with family. It would just make sense that you like have a meal with them where you just like share a lot of. That's, that's just a guess. So what I found online, 
I'm bringing up my Google Doc because yeah. there were like seven different answers, and I was like, okay, well, clearly no one really knows the true answer. <laughs> but are some of them like very surprising? Uh, no. Okay, so basically it was like these articles talked about how tapas means top in Spanish. Okay. <clears throat> And so I never like even would have like guessed this in a million mm-hmm. years. All of them have to do with covering your drink with a plate and putting food on top of it. And like you can't put that much food on a plate on top of your drink. Yeah. So it's like small bites. Okay. So never heard of that. <laughs> <laughs> so here we go. Origin number one. King Alfonso the tenth of Castile was recovering from illness and could only eat and drink small amounts of food. And so when he recovered, he decreed all drinks should be served with a small snack. I don't think that one's that interesting. <laughs> the next one is Alfonso the eight, or no, the thirteenth. He ordered wine at a popular tavern in Cadiz, which I guess is a super windy city. So yeah. the bartender was like, "I'm gonna put some ham on top of your drink to keep the sand out." Okay. And the king was like, "Wow, this is a delicious pairing." And so he ordered <laughs> again. And as things do when kings do them, yeah. it Everyone became a trend. Does. It was yeah. like, oh, I can't, the king's got the ham on that one? I want that. <laughs> yep. Another one was bartenders would just serve beer or sherry with a saucer on top. I don't know, I guess maybe to keep the sand out again. Mm-hmm. But then they were like, oh, my God, we can put food on top of the little plate on top of the drink. And that makes their customers happy. So that's one thing. And then another one, this was the last one that I thought was kind of interesting, mm-hmm. was tavern keepers were like, hey, we put a plate of super strong cheese on top of cheap wine, our patrons won't know any better. Like, they oh. won't know how bad the wine shady, is shady. because <laughs> of the strong cheese. And yeah. so it was like the taverns being tricky. So, so they're all like based on like having some food on top of your drink. I yeah, guess. I guess so. Okay. Those are, I mean, I've never seen, like, people put food on top of their drink, but... Yeah, so there you go. The more you know. Yeah. <laughs> Spain is... There's how many different autonomous communities? Oh, a lot. I don't know. <laughs> 13, I think? It's in the teens, I think. Yeah, it's in the teens. I think it's, like, less than 20, more than, like, 13. Eh, so you can take your guess. You can look it up. Can you talk about the cuisine from the part of Spain where you're from? The most noticeable, like, nationalist autonomous regions, I guess, the ones that are more, like, defined as a culture, are definitely in the north of Spain. We have Galicia, which is where I'm from, Basque country. They have their own language. We have our own language as well. And Catalonia, which also has their own language. So just having your own language, your own culture, has definitely, like, brought out a lot of different dishes that you don't see in the rest of Spain. I'm not too like familiar with what goes on in the South. It's completely different. They even speak Spanish in a very different way. It's very warm down there, very hot, very dry climate. It's definitely very different from the wetter north of Spain. So what I can say is that in the north of Spain, we eat a lot of like, we eat a lot of potatoes. Uh, we eat a lot of like leafy greens. We eat a lot of fish, a lot of fish, because we're right on the coast. So I would say like the biggest difference between the north and south of Spain is that we like, we really like embrace like the ocean, I guess. And like, we literally eat anything from it. And then we also really rely on like vegetables that grow when you have a lot of water. (laughs) So yeah, I guess that's similar to the PNW where we are right now. Yeah. So what are some of these seafood dishes then that are popular? 
So we were talking about tapas. There's a lot of like seafood tapas. The part of Spain where I'm from, we don't like add a lot of spices to anything. We kind of just cook clams. We cook them and then literally eat them. We'll cook mussels, literally any sort of shellfish as a tapa because they're just like little things that you can, they're small enough that you can grab them and eat them. But the weirdest thing to me is that, like even though I am like from Spain and I've seen a lot of these things is that we eat barnacles. Like we eat literally anything that's like available and they're like considered a delicacy. They're not just things that you eat because they're there. It's like, <laughs> they're hard to get and they're like not that good honestly, but everyone is just so obsessed with the fact that the ocean is such a big deal and that we need to embrace all that's like given to us that, and even if, and especially because it's like so hard to get, it's considered like a delicacy. So yeah, we just, any sort of shellfish, barnacles and things like that, we'll eat as like tapas. And then for like a main dish sort of situation, we would just have grilled fish that we would share as well, or crab is a big thing. After you go back, how do you eat barnacles? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a skill. It's definitely a skill that you need to acquire. So the really special ones that we eat are called percebes. And I think in it translates to um, goose barnacle in English. I'm not quite sure. But yeah, they're like little long things that kind of look like fingers and like nails. So what you want to do <laughs> is you want to like stick your nails in them and like separate like the hard part from the soft part. And it's like hard because it's like gross and squishy, but also <laughs> just because it squirts a lot of like seawater. So you need to like do it like facing downward and then it kind of pops out and it's like a little like needy little gross thing that uh. is like it tastes good but it's not like delicious in my opinion but people love them yeah wow that's so interesting yeah now it's i feel cool. like if i ever go there even if i don't want to like i want to just mm -hmm. because it's got to be interesting to try to yeah. do <laughs> it's an experience yeah we also eat a lot of octopus a typical dish from galicia and a lot of like well mostly galicia and other parts of spain as well is having pulpo feira which is literally just octopus that's been cooked in like boiling water and then it has olive oil and paprika and salt, and that's it. Simple. Yeah, simple, nice. but like also octopus. <laughs> yeah. And then I have to ask, have you had much seafood here then in Seattle in the Pacific Northwest? Just like the fact that it's a different ocean, you n notice that here, like for example, you can get oysters that are really good, you can get salmon that's really good, things that are really particular to the Pacific Ocean, whereas in Spain, we're on the Atlantic coast, so we get different things. It's just like different type of seafood that comes from different oceans, but it's good too. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You want to talk a little bit about eating culture? I was reading how in Spain, lunch is the biggest meal. And so can you talk a little bit about that? Lunch is definitely the biggest meal. And I think the reason for that is because in terms of your body, you don't want to eat a lot when you're about to go to bed. And also, I don't really know where it comes from, honestly. I can talk to you a little bit more about like what happens when you have these like big lunches and things like that. So I'll give you a specific example. There's a lot of, in Spain, just because like all family driven and like friends and stuff like that, there's a lot of celebrations of that. There's, we have like, where I live, for example, we have town festivals for literally all the towns that <laughs> you could possibly like encounter. And what you do there is you, go, in the morning you go to church if you're religious, then before lunch you would get drinks, sort of cocktails, drinks with your friends and family. And then you would have lunch at like, 3 p.m., literally very, very late lunches. 
and they're just these like big big drawn out meals that could literally go on for two or three hours like, very <laughs> easily so you finish eating lunch at like five or six and like you don't even want to eat dinner after that you know because you started with your like seafood appetizers you've had your entrees you've had dessert you've had coffee you've had like after dessert drinks you've done it all but yeah basically like really big meals that you have every time that there's some sort of holiday or, or traditional party or festival or anything you just always celebrate with like a big lunch and are these lunches usually like a family outing or do you eat at home you eat at home people don't really eat out that much in spain it's only become popular now because it's a very like western thing to do People here do it, so if the U.S. does it, then the rest of the world is going to do it, right? <laughs> if you were to have a good friend who wanted to experience one of these lunches, what would be on the menu? This is probably like really biased because I'm from the north, but we just like from what I've experienced, I guess. So my family always starts off with salpicón, which is probably what the most similar thing to ceviche that people might know here. And it's fish and shrimp and things like that that are like kind of made into a cold like salad sort of thing. And it's really good. It's really tasty. It might sound gross, but it's really good. And then you also want to do like there's these like specific shrimps that are like really like important, I guess, for Spanish people that you always eat. That would be like the start, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that would be the start. The middle would be like a nice, very nice, fresh wild fish with like potatoes and onions and then maybe peppers like with that cooked in the grill or oven or something. Just very simple food, but it's just so like focused on the ingredients, the quality of like the fish and the potatoes that you don't really need to add that much to it. And then dessert, there's a whole lot. There's so much, <laughs> there's so much. Flan is very, very typical for Spain. We also have these little like crepe sort of dessert things that you just make with like egg and water and sugar that are called filloas, and I'm pretty sure those are particular to the north as well. There's cheesecake, very different from the cheesecake here. It's actually like baked, and then coffee, definitely coffee after dessert. That's like my ideal meal right there. That sounds like an absolute feast. Yeah, it is a feast. <laughs> and then accompanying all this food, like before the coffee, would you be having some sort of drink? People generally have it instead of coffee, just because okay. like a digestive like oh, sort okay. of. So yeah, you take your pick. <laughs> well, that sounds like it would be a fantastic meal, yeah, first of we all. We definitely need a siesta after that. I would definitely be in a food coma yeah. if I had that much food. I, yeah, mean, yeah. I do that, like eating a lot less food, I think, <laughs> than what you just said. So <laughs> I maybe would just have to go to bed at that point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Call it a day. <laughs> that's why we have siesta, because we eat so much. Is siesta, like, still, because I, you know, read that, like, as everyone modernizes and stuff, the culture of siesta has kind of been lost. Is that true? Yeah, I think so. It definitely used to be a very, like, routine sort of thing where you would go to work in the morning, come home, have, like, a two-hour break where you would eat lunch quickly, take a half an hour nap, and then go back to work or do whatever. Because, yeah, because we've, like, westernized a lot, then... There's more of that like quick paced lifestyle where you grab lunch really quick, go back to work immediately and then get off early. But it's still it's still a thing that we do for sure, especially Sunday afternoons when you when you have time, basically. Yeah, I wish all cultures just had a break in the day. Honestly, mm -hmm. I feel like everyone would be like in a better mood. You oh, know? absolutely. <laughs> It's like, I, a lot of cultures, like, had that, you know, but, like, as it's, like, time is money or whatever, mm -hmm. we've cut it out, and it's like, yeah. 
That's the a number bummer. one reason why people are grumpy is because they are tired. They're so, not, see? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so here's an important question. Do you have any restaurant recommendations for good Spanish food around here? Oh, around here? Honestly, no. Okay. Yeah, not Seattle. I've been to restaurants in San Francisco, and San Francisco is supposed to be, like, very poppin', like, <laughs> foodie international city as well. But... It's just, they overdo it, you know? Spanish food is, like, really, really simple food. It shouldn't be, like, this overdressed, like, with spices and things like that. And, yeah, there's, like, they're too expensive as well, you know? It's, it's, it's not actually Spanish food. Sad. Yeah. How about uh, anywhere to get good Spanish desserts around here? No. Oh, that's also disappointing. <laughs> there's, there's also just, like, not that many options that's true like you see a lot of like chinese restaurants a lot of japanese restaurants just because like those are the cultures that have really like existed here you know and there's really no spanish community in seattle i would say sadly what do you do then when you need your fix of spanish food i make it (laughs) okay so do you cook then yeah i've i've cooked i i mean i grew up in a house where like my mom was the one cooking most of the time and she is good she is <laughs> damn good at cooking so and like she's she was born raised and lived in spain all her life so yeah i just kind of learned from that and took it with me uh, what are some of your favorite dishes then to make okay so i'm sure a lot of people know what tortilla is and you probably are thinking of like a flour tortilla that you use for a taco or a burrito yeah, that's, that's not what a Spanish tortilla is. So what a tortilla is, is this kind of omelet with potatoes in it. You can add peppers, chorizo, you can add a lot of things to it. But what you do is you would cook it in a pan. Well, you first fry the potatoes, mix the eggs in, and then put it in the pan. And then you flip it over so it kind of looks like this like thick omelet. And it's really easy or actually, it's not that easy to make. It's, it's <laughs> easy in principle, but you can really ruin it. So, yeah, baby steps. It's really easy food, I guess, if you know how to make it. Yeah, carbs, carbs. It's a lot of carbs. <laughs> so balance it out with, like, a salad or something. But it's very, very good. Take my word for it. Okay. Arroz con leche is, like, rice pudding, I guess, with milk. But it's not pudding because it's liquidy, but it's a very common dessert that people eat. In, like all over Spain, you boil some milk, put some rice in it, put some cinnamon, and then probably some lemon, vanilla, and then you're done. And obviously sugar, but it's very simple, very tasty. And then besides that, gazpacho, which is a very common stereotypical dish, also very easy to make. You just throw things in a blender, you're done. Yeah. I've made arroz con leche before because mm-hmm. of my roommate. Part of her family is Cuban, mm-hmm. and so we made that for a meal one night. And it was so good. I, like, mm-hmm. really enjoyed that dessert. I don't know. I like desserts that, like, aren't too, like, super rich, you know, so that you can have, like, more mm-hmm. of it, of yeah. course. Yeah. <laughs> Always want more, yeah. No, but arroz con leche is a very big in the whole, like, Hispanic world. It, everyone makes it, like, a little bit differently, too. Mm-hmm. Same with um, horchata, like, the drink. In Spain, we make it with, I don't know, we use, we use a different, <laughs> like, uh, root vegetable but in Mexico, for example, they use rice and like cinnamon and things like that. Um, but it's still like the same drink, just a different ingredient. Let's move on to drinking culture, because that's something you really wanted to talk about. Yeah, yep. So drinking culture in Spain, and then you had also mentioned how beer, you know, just different beer and stuff. So I'm mm-hmm. just going to let you take it away from okay. here. Okay, yeah, exciting. <laughs> <laughs> so like the past few years, since I've been able to go back to Spain frequently and like been of age to go out 
I've noticed a couple things that are like really shocking to me. So the number one thing that was like really interesting was that basically each like autonomous region of Spain has its own like specific beer that they're really, really proud of. So if you're seen like drinking something else, people will judge you. They will be like, how could you be doing this to your, <laughs> your people? And it's just like really crazy and obsessive, but it's fun because you, you can like basically like define people like based on the beer they drink. You, you know where they're from if they're drinking like Estrella or whatever, you know? So in Galicia, where I'm from, we drink Estrella Galicia, which is definitely like a stronger beer just because it's like cold and rainy. So we want, we don't like, we, we're not going to like get sweaty all the time. You know, we need, <laughs> we need like our strong beer. And then in the Basque country, they drink a lot of San Miguel. Catalonia drinks Estrella Dam. In Madrid and like that whole like center area of Spain, they drink Mao. And in the south, they drink Cruz Campo. So those are, that's how you know where someone's from, just based on the beer they're drinking. Besides that, there's a very big culture of going to bars and going to cafes with your friends and family and just like sitting there for hours, getting drinks and, or coffee, you know, if you don't drink and just hanging out. So like just the fact that we do that, just it's not that it encourages alcoholism, but <laughs> people do drink a lot more, I think, in Spain than they do here, for sure. When I think of like going out here, maybe it's because I'm still young, <laughs> but it's like it's like you're going out and just going forward or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I feel like with a lot of other European countries, like drinking is something like you sort of like learn it's like an activity you take your time you're like socializing over you know your drinks and stuff yeah it's definitely very different from here also from my experiences I feel like everyone in college especially you go to a party you drink for like two hours really really quickly and you get drunk which is probably not very good for you (laughs) Um, so you do that really quickly and then you're done you know you just did it because you wanted to get drunk and you wanted to have fun okay and in Spain and in France and like other parts of the world, it's more, yeah, like you said, it's something that you like learn. Like I started drinking wine like with my parents and I learned like how to taste them and how to like, appreciate different things about different drinks. And it's something you do over like an extended period of time. So on a Saturday night, if I were going out with my friends, we would probably like start off like going to a cafe and like sit down and like order some beers or coffee or whatever and then go to a bar again and get like one drink and you you just keep like drinking slowly and like having conversation and making like like basically like your day out of it you know your or your night or whatever you like have these extended periods of like drinking but you're also like talking to people and you know like bonding and then if you want to go to the club later then go to the club but <laughs> yeah that's it's just a very different culture i like that mm-hmm. i mean cuz i feel like you know, I mean, eventually we'll graduate college, and I think maybe we'll experience that a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it is nice to just, I feel like, have a conversation with mm-hmm. someone over a drink, you know? Yeah. Okay. Even though I said that, there's definitely like a big, it, a big <laughs> like binge drinking problem, I would say. Okay. <laughs> um, especially like in like smaller like towns and things like that. When we have our like town festivals and stuff, people like go out on the street and buy bottles and stuff and just like drink on the street. And it's just like a big, wild, messy party with trash everywhere. So that's the one thing that like definitely, it's definitely changing there. People are like making, like taking steps to like 
regulate that a little bit. But besides that, it's... Right. <laughs> <laughs> when you go, like, back to Spain, what's, like, the first meal that you seek out? Ooh, there's so many things. Okay, definitely pilloas, like the dessert, like the crepe-like sort of thing, because they're just, like, really easy and tasty. And I know people who make very good pilloas. So it's, it's not really a meal, but it's, like, a little snack that is really good meals uh i really like the octopus so i if we go to ever go to a restaurant that's like probably one of my first things that i want to order Ooh, croquetas they sound like really plain but they're so good they're these little like dough fried dough things that have either bits of bacon in them or bits of like jamon bits of fish you know anything that could go into it oh also jamon jamon is so good <laughs> yeah eat eat that shit all the time <laughs> Oh, uh, what is it about Spanish ham? That oh, like? yeah. It's really fatty, so it's bound to be good. It's also really salty, so it's bound to be good. <laughs> and I don't know. It's it, like I've had a, my American friends try it, and they think it's like too rich and too too much flavor, too much going on. So it's definitely something you like probably need to grow up with to enjoy. But it's just like the quality of the ham and like the quality of like the process it goes through that makes it so good. And I don't know. It's, I think it's just something you have to grow up with, honestly. Sort of an acquired taste, I guess. Yeah, for sure. Go back to Spain. Are there any, like, restaurants or bars that's, like, you're going to have, like, a friend visit you that you're like, I'm going to take you here because this is, like, an experience that you must mm-hmm. have, you know? Okay, so this is, like, where I give shout-outs, I guess. <laughs> so there's... Like, being from Coruña, I can't really, like, expect people to really go visit there. It's, <laughs> it's a really awesome place, and it's definitely under-visited, but there's this little, like, corner bar restaurant place where it's not really... They serve a lot of food, but you, you like, stand, you know? You, like... And it's very cheap, very quick, and very good. And they have basically, like, one tapa is a euro, so you would... You could get, like... 15 tapas and it'll be 15 euros, you know, so, and they're all really good, so it's your chance to really just try everything, and they do, like, very different things every day, and the place is called La Bombilla, and I've been going there since literally I was two years old, and I will always take my friends there, (laughs) because it's cheap, and it's good, and it's always there, so reliable. There are some very good restaurants in Coruña as well that are more like fancy. There's a couple Michelin star restaurants that I've been to there that are delicious and like I've gotten to meet the chefs and they're all super nice. So if you do have the money to go there, go to Arbore da Beira. I've been twice, once for my sister's birthday, which is fantastic. Okay, but if you really want like a really awesome food experience, my best food experience ever in Spain was in San Sebastián, which is in the Basque country. and you literally walk the streets and there's tons of bars with hundreds of pintos on the bar. Like literally, like you cannot see the bar, you only see pintos. And pintos are basically like small tapa things mm. that are like on bread and you like put stuff on it. So you just like, you, you only see food that looks delicious <laughs> and you just pay based on like whichever one you pick. And that was like an amazing experience because it, it was just all so good. Well, let's go back to the drunk food and hear what you have to say about drunk food and drunk food. I don't know why this is a thing, but drunk food in Spain is like kebabs and like not, I don't know how to, I guess in um, America it would be like gyros or whatever, like yeah. Greek, like Middle Eastern food. Uh-huh. And I think it's because they're open like 24 hours. They're always <laughs> the ones that are open like super, super late. So when you, like, come back from, like, bars or, like, come back from clubs or whatever, 
you always stop at one of these like Middle Eastern or Mediterranean places to get your fix. And it's super cheap and probably probably not good for you, but delicious. <laughs> always like always the move. So that's definitely like the number one drunk food. People also really like McDonald's for drug food, <laughs> which I like I haven't really seen a lot of that here. Like I'm sure people do it, but you always like I don't know. At least here there's like like that Mexican restaurant that's open forever. <laughs> and there's Aladdin's, you know, you go to those two places. Does the McDonald's in Spain have different stuff? Ooh, I think so. I think they do have gazpacho at some of them, but for the most part, it's all the same. Okay. Yeah, they might have, like, different, like, McFlurry flavors based on, like, Ooh. the candy that they have there, you know? Uh-huh. But junk food. Junk food, junk food. We don't eat a lot of junk food. So healthy. Yeah. <laughs> but the, my favorite part is that we have, like, different types of Cheetos from here, and there's these little, like, Cheeto things that are soccer balls, which are fantastic like I need everybody to try them they're better than any Cheeto I've had here so so those are really cool wait so what are are they just Cheetos they're Cheetos but they're like little soccer balls yeah <laughs> what it's like Cheetos brand and they're soccer balls but I've never seen them here so oh man yeah I'm gonna have to look that up now yeah we also really like kinder products you know oh like yeah chocolate i mean who doesn't the ones that we ban yeah <laughs> yeah especially the ones that you banned like the the eggs yeah, the the surprise. Eggs. yeah. yeah. <laughs> those are the best i had a lot of those when i was little and i still do so not not ashamed <laughs> and then i guess like the number one it's not really junk food i guess but like the number one staple thing that people have in spain is colacao which is like Nesquik, I guess. That's the closest thing. It's like a chocolate powder that you put in milk, and everyone's obsessed with it. Little kids, old people, <laughs> college students. Colacao is like, you're having breakfast? Colacao. You're about to go to bed? Colacao. You're eating a snack midday? Colacao. So it's just like, any time of the day, anybody and everybody loves it. People have things to look out for if they ever visit? Yeah, yeah, definitely look out for that. Colacao is everywhere even at bars you can order Wait, really yeah no is I'm it frowned upon honestly like i don't care people like, be like <laughs> all right chill you know i don't honestly no one's gonna judge you they're gonna be like i wish i was drinking <laughs> <laughs> yeah all right well i usually like to end with the question of uh having my guests share their favorite food memory so mm-hmm. just a memory that brings them extreme joy uh that has to do with food okay so i mentioned that I went to San Sebastián in the north of Spain. And on that trip, I was with some friends and my sister. Someone told us about a cider place, like a where, where they make apple cider. And the, it's like a very like typical, like traditional thing in the Basque country to have big feasts at these like cider places. So we were like, oh, let's go check it out. Like, let's, let's go. And basically, they served you like a feast of food and you had cider to drink, like unlimited cider. So you had this like, you got you got to experience like what it's like to be in this really like traditional food experience, I guess, from the Basque country. And so for like the first dish, we got this chorizo that was cooked in cider, which was really, really good. It was like this spicy sausage that was incredible. Then we had tortilla with bacalao, which is like tortilla, like the omelet thing with bacalao, which is a type of fish. And then we had peppers and things like that. And then they gave us a huge steak, fatty, red, rare, like delicious steak. And it absolutely is the best steak I've ever had in my life. And like 
all of his food was for one person and <laughs> we just like could not finish it. It was like so much food, but it was it was just like really simple, but like really delicious, like rich food that you probably like can't get here. And just being like with my friends at this awesome place where you could have unlimited cider was just so much fun. And everyone there was there for like fun and food. So it was just a really lively environment and delicious food. So yeah, that's definitely my favorite food experience. Well, thank you so much for being on my show. Yeah, of course. I appreciate it a lot. Hopefully listeners enjoyed it, listening to us talk about Spanish food and maybe they'll be motivated to visit one day. Yeah, visit Spain. It's so much fun. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. This has been another episode of Home Plates. Don't forget, you can listen on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play, or on the Soundbite Network. Thank you for listening.